Welcome again back to our uh, pastoral Bible study. Uh, thank you for taking time to be able to join us. Uh, we're right about in the middle of the uh, Gospel of Mark, looking at chapter 7. Last week, if you were with us, we started chapter 7, just went through about the first eight verses, and Jesus is coming again, kind of head-to-head with the Pharisees, in which they're questioning him about some of the behavior of his disciples. That clean versus unclean. The concepts of uh, why are they not following the right traditions of being able to ceremonially wash their hands prior to eating. And so he starts getting in kind of a back and forth with them. And so we're going to continue that in our text for today, picking up at verse 9. So follow along with us today, please. This is Jesus. And he said to them, You have a fine way of setting aside the commandments of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say, if uh, that man says to his father and mother, Whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is Corbin, that is a gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked? Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within... Out of a men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. And these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Yeah, so obviously the Pharisees were so focused on the outward appearances, uh, we call that, uh, well, Piety is mm. a word that we use to describe uh, a very outward, you know, religious and very holy person, very pious uh, person. So they were all concerned about how, you know, did you look religious? Did you act? Did you follow all of these little rules that they've made up? All of these traditions man-made. To look and appear holy. Mm-hmm. And Jesus gets to the very heart of it. He goes, don't, don't come at me with this stuff. Right, you're you're not honoring your mother and father. Yeah, which is a, a commandment. Yeah, not some man-made tradition. Yep, this is actually a commandment, and uh, <clears throat> showing love, you know, for your neighbor. It's basically saying you kind of use one commandment to nullify another, right? You guys are saying that this commandment is important, but this one's not. They're picking and choosing, which to get at the heart of this for us today. I mean, I think if we look at our lives, we probably do that at, at times too where we pick and choose different things, saying something's okay or something's not okay based off of what we think is right or what fits our narrative or our lifestyle. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so yeah, he calls them out on their practices like Corbin, 
which explains it a little bit in the in the scripture here. That is a gift devoted to God, uh, and essentially, uh, well, in this time, obviously, the you know family unit was multi generational. Mm-hmm. You were taking care of your parents or grandparents if they lived that long, uh, as well as your kids, and uh, they devised a. Uh, uh, I, it's hard to say it was meant to be a, kind of a workaround, but um, essentially <clears throat> uh, the temple, oh, I'll say the temple, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, would. one of the rules they made up was where you could dedicate uh, a certain amount of your income a year towards the church mm-hmm. in, in your will. And that would excuse you from having to use that money to, you know, take care of your parents, buy them, you know, groceries or whatever. And it might only be a percentage of it too, right? They might, the Pharisees might say, well, instead of taking, you know, 50% to have to give your parents, you know, you can give us 20% and yeah. then you can keep the other 80, you know, that's the law that, that we yeah. have. So it was really, unfortunately, a bad scheme. And that's the commandment that Pastor Mark was referring to that Jesus mentioned, you know, it says, honor your father and mother right in the mm-hmm. in the scripture and these guys have made this work around so people do not have to honor their father and mother and he's saying why is that so important you're not even going to take care of your own parents but you're worried about my disciples washing their hands in the right way at the right time yeah yeah all outward appearances as yeah hand washing or whatever um uh oh here yes uh jesus talks about well, he teaches so clearly, right, on what, what is clean and what is unclean. It's almost repetitive. Oh, he tries to make it so clear. I th- well, it is repetitive, I guess, yeah. And he actually, I think he's such a good communicator that he, he uh, really kind of gets your attention with this whole idea. Like, wait a second. Yeah, uh, what you put into your body just comes right back out. Yeah, yeah. It's almost vulgar the way he says it. Yeah, no, definitely. But, but again, but realistic. To, to, to get that sharp contrast and to get that attention it's like it's not that foods are clean and unclean you know these ceremonial laws Mm -hmm. uh, again are not the same as the ten commandments Mm -hmm. and and ultimately god you know christ's commandment to love as you've been you know christ loved you uh love your neighbor as yourself um anyway uh what you put into your body it just comes right back out that's not going to make you clean or unclean uh, what makes you clean or unclean is your heart, right? Is it uh, is it the sinful heart that you were born with? So we're all born sinful and unclean, or have you had that heart transplant where hmm. where God gives you, a, uh, as David prayed, a new and right spirit within me? Um, I mean, he literally just lists off this uh, laundry list of items, right? Just I to begin, almost this. just to begin with, right? Like, hey, let me just give you a few. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love that. Uh, so C.S. Lewis. Uh, it's a Christian writer, apologist, and well, in the 20th century, but mid 1900s, he was he was big, and uh, he was kind of mocking the the churches, the Christians that kind of say, "Oh, I gave my heart to Jesus. Mm. I gave my heart to Jesus," and he would say, "What would Jesus want with that? Yeah, yeah. Wretched, wretched thing. <laughs> yeah." Yeah. What that, what kind of gift is that? That's what put him on the cross, that gift that you're giving to him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because Jesus said, what comes out of the heart of man? Man, it's uh, evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. 
all these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Um, so piety, this outward appearance of, of being holy, is always, it's just this facade of, you know, hiding what's really going on on the inside. You know, if you really want to be holy, and that is our goal, yeah, yeah, to be holy, uh, it, it starts and it ends, you know, from, from our heart, from our inside, our spirit, our mind, our soul, um, devoted to God, following Jesus, you know, being connected to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so at any rate, well, and I guess maybe to circle back to C.S. Lewis, right? The whole point is that, that God comes down and makes us holy. God comes down and saves us. Yeah. And we don't give our heart to Jesus or find him in any way. Uh, we can't come, you know, within ourselves, uh, become holy. He's got to come and do it for us. But uh, pretty, uh, you know, I guess another thing here, I think you think of, uh, I think a lot of people have the image of Jesus as being this meek and mild Kind of soft-spoken, tender-hearted, yeah. yeah. Which he's very loving, yeah, uh, person. But I think you know this is an example where the Pharisees came at him, and man, he just he just came right back. Yeah, with the same amount of yeah, pretty force. strong, uh, pretty strong words and attitude that you can see here. Yeah, you're right. But from the pictures or the way Christ is portrayed, whether it be in art or maybe movies or who yeah. knows, we probably do have that concept of him not that he doesn't have a soft heart but not that he isn't bold on behalf of the lord either right and actually i think we see that boldness come out in a slightly different way maybe one way that people have misunderstood at times Mm -hmm. uh in our next section here yeah so verse 24 we'll pick it up jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of tyre he entered a house and did not want anyone to know it yet he could not keep his presence secret In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syria and Phoenicia. She uh, begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the child eat all they want, uh, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she replied, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, For such a reply you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on, lying on the bed, and the demon was gone. Which is, again, another amazing miracle. Um, and that's the thing about this, Chef, right? So this is an amazing miracle that, that happens here. We see Jesus healing just with that word, right? doesn't have to have that touch or even be in the, the presence, at least physically in his uh, human body at this point. But in this section of scripture, tell me if you think I'm wrong here, Pastor Mark, people usually do not focus on this amazing miracle that has been done in our day and age. Yeah. They focus on the wording that has been used that Jesus has with this brief conversation with this woman because it seems in the mind of most that maybe some people think he's calling her a name. Maybe some people think that he's treating her less than. But what's really happening in this this text here? Maybe we can break that down a little bit. Yes, and so just to remind everybody, uh, it says she's Greek. She's yes, Syria, super Phoenicia. key, super key. So she's not Jewish. She's not of the tribe of you know Judah or any of the tribes of Judah. She's a foreigner, mm-hmm. a goyim, as the 
the Hebrews would call them, uh, the other nations. Mm. And actually, dogs was kind of a slang word for those goyim, those non-Jewish people. And it's not dogs like your pets, like in your house. It was like the stray dogs mm. out in the street. It was not, you know, a compliment. And so when he says for, uh, you know, let the children eat all they want, kind of first, he's talking about the children of Israel. So it goes in the house. Uh, for it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. <clears throat> but she replies that, uh, yes, Lord, you know, but even the dogs on the table eat the children's crumbs. In other words, not all the children of God yeah. uh, still receive all good gifts from his table. She has this understanding that, yes, maybe, you know, the, the word does come, as it says in the scriptures, first for the Jews and then for the Gentile. She seems to have a big understanding of this. And uh, I don't know if I want to say that she's pressing the Lord, but I like her continued, I don't know, I, not even enthusiasm, actual faith that's yeah, faith. there to be able to continue speaking with the Lord and not just say, oh, okay, he's not for me, but she knows, you know, this is for me. And, you know, maybe this is a time, too, when we do see Jesus allowing somebody to be able to respond. We need to remember, Christ doesn't always just hand over this easy gift. Let me do this all for you, even though Christ yeah. does everything for us. He, he still stretches us. We saw that earlier on in, uh, when we were looking at the feeding of the 5,000, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the disciples said, Jesus, send all these people away. No, you feed them. Right. And like, I mean, yeah. he are, and it says he already said this to them with in mind of what he was going to do. So he already knows this, but he uses this as this teaching moment to stretch his disciples. And don't we do the same with our with our children? Don't you know teachers here at our preschool do that with our kids? You're not just giving them everything. They're never going to learn anything. They need to be stretched at times. And Jesus seems to do that a little bit here with this woman's faith. Which I wonder, you know, what are the times in my life when I think that too? Like, man, God, I need this. I need this now. I need right. this today. Come take care of this for me. And maybe it's when I need to continue to pray to mm -hmm. my Lord. When I need to continue to trust in my Lord. Because then well, I am being strengthened. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think how often do I pray for uh, something? I'm making this one up. But, I mean, you know, people struggle well, maybe sometimes in my life I pray for this. You know, like, how am I going to pay the bills this month? Sure. And, you know, Lord, please, you know, fix this for me. And sure. It, and it's, you know, in my mind, I might be thinking or hoping that, all right, I'm just going to be able to sit back. Yeah. He's literally going to take care of it for <laughs> yeah. me. All right. Yeah. yeah. Fixed. Yeah. Woohoo. You know, uh, relationships. Hey, heal this relationship. All right. I'm not going to have to have that awkward conversation with this person. God's just going to miraculously heal it. Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> God's going to heal it, but I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to make the confrontation and, yeah. and, and talk through it. Yeah. Um, but uh, the other uh, thing there is just this attitude that, uh, I, okay. So what I think offends most of us about this little episode here with this Syrian Phoenician woman is that um, she comes and asks for help, a miracle. And it's for her daughter. It's, you know, this is pretty big and important. We'd all agree. Uh, worthy. Um, but I think that's just it, right? We kind of come to the table with this, well, she deserves to have this healing. Hmm. Just like maybe I deserve to have 
Name it. Whatever I'm asking yeah. for. And Jesus, quite frankly, says, you don't deserve this. Yeah. And rather than arguing with Jesus and saying, but wait a second, she says, yeah, you're right. I don't deserve it. Yeah. But you know, God is merciful and gracious, and even a little crumb would be a help. And even though I don't deserve that, I would even appreciate that. And Jesus does more than the crumb. He gives her the banquet feast, right? Yeah. She goes home and her daughter's completely healed. Yeah. And the demon's completely cast out. It's as, it's uh, way above and beyond. Of course, we don't deserve the crumb, even if we really think about it. There's a, there's almost a picturesque <clears throat> element there as you say that now that I think about you know almost a confession and forgiveness element that really is present mm-hmm. in the story, especially the way that you describe that for us. Like being able to go to the Lord and say that, yeah, you know, I don't deserve that. And don't we do that in our confession on Sunday, you know, when we go before the Lord, mm-hmm. before we hear those words of forgiveness. And that's something I think important for us to remember just daily in mm-hmm. our lives. Because uh, often I think in this give and take world, we can come to a point where we think, yeah, I did, you know, yeah, God should, you know, do this for me. This is yeah. great, you know, <laughs> but really, man, we don't deserve that at all. Like it, it is a... It is a big price that a loving God pays for us. Yeah, yeah, that's good. All right, so we move on to the next piece of our chapter here for the conclusion. This healing is a little bit more uh, instant, maybe something that we would be, be used to, but done in a, in a unique way with some unique points too. Uh, verse 31 <coughs> says, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There, some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged him to place his hands on the man. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephrathah, which means be open. At this, the man's ears were open, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. So again, it's interesting in this chapter, we see Jesus kind of, as he's doing, moving around from from place to place. He comes uh, and the people, again, are bringing somebody now actually to Jesus to be able to heal and it seems like uh, again friends being able to help out somebody else and interestingly enough he takes him aside and we keep seeing Jesus do that right taking somebody either aside or doing something more in private or saying as we hear in a minute not to not to tell anyone and he could have just said you're healed. He just has done this for this woman's daughter who's not even in this yeah, vicinity. Yeah, probably no miles away. Yeah. yeah. But he, in this instance, the man is right there in front of him. Instead of saying, yes, you are healed uh, because of the faith of your friends, you were healed. Because we see with the man who's lowered through the roof, Jesus puts his fingers into the guy's ears. Then he spits and touches the man's tongue. Yeah. Then he looks up to heaven and calls out and says those words, be opened, and then this happens. So we see kind of like these this three-tier step mm-hmm. that he takes and being able to do this this healing, which I find is is interesting because he's using that actual uh, you know physical touch to be able to heal, to be close to someone 
to almost have this significance, right? It wasn't even just on the man's forehead of, of making some type of blessing or sign or anointing with oil. He touches the area where the man is uh, suffering from, his ears, his tongue, and then he calls out on his behalf. And I was wondering, you know, for when I need healing too, seeing something like this, you know, thinking about the Lord doing that for me, like actually being able to, to hit me exactly where I need it. Not oh, just, yeah. yeah, your prayer is done with today, but actually be able to, to do that. And it's neat to see, I think, this physical connection that we have with the Lord and the fact that he calls out to heaven on his behalf, too. It's almost like this is that that advocate that we heard about on Sunday in our scripture message, this one who goes to the Father on our behalf. This man cannot heal himself, but we have one who speaks to the Father, and so he does that. Jesus speaks to God uh, and says, be open on our behalf. Yeah, it's uh, everywhere uh, Jesus walked on the earth, we got a little sneak peek of heaven. Hmm. Right? It's this little inbreaking of the kingdom of God right in the middle of our fallen world so that we see in heaven where there are no demons, where uh, the deaf hear, the mute speak, the blind see, the lame walk. It's it's a pretty exciting thing. And kind of he kind of goes around, you know, tired, sliding at Decapolis, and he goes back down into Judea. And, yeah. You know, everywhere he goes, like, we'll get into feeding, you know, feeding people. And, um, it's exciting to see the little sneak peek of the power of God. It's funny, this too being just on the other side of this concept of clean and unclean, he seems to do something that, it doesn't seem so clean. I was taking your finger in somebody else's ears, <laughs> spitting, <laughs> touching other people's tongues, and I wonder, maybe well, there's no signal. <laughs> I can hear just fine. Maybe there's no, Maybe there's no connection, but it does seem interesting that it follows, again, right on kind of the, this waterfall of this other story that yeah. just tips down and then he does something almost to the opposite they yeah. say like their bookends yeah. or something yeah it's just very different ways and i guess god can do what he wants how he wants and i mean <laughs> I, yeah and then i love the the piece of what happens here it says jesus commands them not to tell anyone but the that more works, he did so the more people kept talking about it so, Pastor Mark, by the way, we've been doing the wrong thing at church on Sunday of telling people to tell people about Jesus. That's We're supposed right. to tell them not to tell people about Jesus, and then, and then they do, do it. it. So why does this happen? Why is Jesus commanding them at this point within our gospel text not to tell anybody? It's still not time uh, for Easter, you know, for the that, Passion. That seems to be the only key element at least right it seems like as the as the uh momentum builds as the the crowds build um it kind of reaches this tipping point where they're like okay he's gonna be our king he's we're gonna make him king of israel yeah and he's gonna just snuff out these yeah. romans yeah and i think he's just trying to keep that at bay while he builds, you know, the message of the gospel. Um, yeah, because he does this multiple disciples. times. He does this multiple times, even within his book. I think it happens with the, the lepers a little bit when he tells them to go show themselves to the priest, but they're not supposed to really say a whole lot. Other people he continues to tell this to. And uh, 
interesting, but people are so taken back by it. Again, this word that Mark uses over and over again, amazed, overwhelmed this time with amazement, yeah. that they have to continue to do this. And I love that. He has done everything well. Uh, that almost sounds like it could be a part of our service that we could respond. Maybe we'll, maybe we can add that into one of our prayers for a responsive yeah. prayer one day or something mm -hmm. uh, to include our prayers with the people saying, he has done everything well. Almost a praise element to, to God as we lift up every one of those prayers uh, to him. Maybe we'll even do that for this Sunday because it really is just a neat piece of being able to see Christ in his element and actually working and being able to say he does all these things and even the the element here that's mentioned of physical he makes the deaf hear and the mute speak well he doesn't he do the exact same for us that mm -hmm. through his spirit he opens up our ears to be able to hear his word he opens up our mouth to be able to praise him and to be able to well in this instance and in ours to share about him at the same time too mm-hmm good Oh, I don't think I have any further comments about this unless you have any other great insight. No, it's a, it's a, a it's not a hodgepodge. It's a, just a, it's a quick paced uh, account yep. of Jesus's ministry. And uh, I, I couldn't think of one unifying thread for the whole chapter, hmm. you know, seven chapter. But um, I know the first section where we talked about the, the Corbin or the you know washing your hands, the ceremonial washing and things. Um, well, was, maybe an example would help flesh it out. Let's say, let's say a, a congregation was going to redo their sanctuary, and uh, somebody had the idea. Well, when we get our new pews in, we should have kneelers on yeah. our pews. So, yeah. so during our confession and absolution time, we could kneel during the service and. So, uh, how would a congregation rightly, you know, using these, you know, scriptures here, Mark chapter seven, for example, uh, talk about that or kind of move forward with a proposition like that, somebody's proposal? Interesting. And uh, I think the very first question is, uh, what does the Bible say uh, about kneeling? Is it required? <laughs> No, it's not. <clears throat> Just like the ceremonial washing or the Corbin or whatever, this is something that man has put into place mm -hmm. for, you know, hopefully good reasons and good intentions, at least at, at first. And so the next question you would ask uh, is, you know, what does it mean? Uh, what does it mean for our congregation? Does it have any significance yeah. for the people here? Do yeah. they know what it means or would it be, what are we doing? Yeah. Um, so when you talk about things that are not, we'll say prescribed by scripture, uh, then you want to talk about, well, is it helpful? Um, and then you can talk about practical things too, like how would that affect the seating capacity or how much would it cost? <laughs> or, you know, those things are all completely legitimate, uh, to evaluate when you're talking about things that are not specifically you know, for sure. Mm -hmm. Now, if somebody said, uh, okay, we're going to redo our facilities and we're not going to have a sanctuary anymore. We're not going to have any place to worship because we're not going to do worship services anymore. Okay. We put the brakes on there because clearly scripture says we are a worshiping community. Don't, mm -hmm. don't forsake the assembly as some are in the habit of doing. Mm -hmm. 
remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. So, um, anyway, so when Jesus is, is kind of doing his little lesson here with uh, the Pharisees, I think he's trying to say there's kind of a pecking order here between, you know, God's word and his commandments on down to, you know, these are some rules that we have for good order mm -hmm. for, you know, like nothing says we have to have church at Sunday at 8.30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. But for good order, it's helpful. It's convenient for most of the people. Uh, and now we're in the habit, so it's even, you know, more, you know, whatever, convenient. Um, it's a good thing that we do this. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, just, just things to keep keep things in perspective what's the top priority and then you know after that we can negotiate yeah that's a good way to be able to think about it too like you said always taking whatever's here in scripture and trying yeah. to actually have some application for today then too. Yeah. like the ceremonial washing of their hands could have been a good thing if they understood what it represented what yeah. it symbolized sure um but then it can also turn into this uh sense of piety the sense of well i'm holy because i follow these rules and yeah your disciples don't follow these rules they're just not holy obviously they're not doing what god wants them to do mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um very judgmental over something obviously it's not prescribed in scripture so something for all of us i guess and even in our own lives most definitely all right you want to close up for us in prayer then today all right thanks for joining us yes please whatever you do don't share this bible study with anyone <laughs> or any of our uh, music notes or tough questions about God or your favorite sermon, don't uh, forward those emails, uh, you know, links to friends and family uh, so that they can watch and, and get connected to Jesus too. <laughs> there we go. Right, Jeremy? Jer right. Pastor Jeremy. Yeah, yeah, I got, I got you. Yeah, all right. <clears throat> well, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, family uh, faith at Desert Foothills, all our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, who join us online and in person uh, for worship and for studies like this. pray you continue to increase our faith, grow our knowledge and appreciation for who you are and for all that you do for us each and every day. Um, uh, we just uh, don't want to take any of your blessings for granted. Uh, continue to be with each of us in our daily lives as we live as lights in this very dark world. Uh, give us the words to say, the the prayers, uh, you know, the reminders to, to pray for the people that we see on the news that uh, that are in our uh, communities, in our uh, families, and uh, use us as however you will uh, to, to bless other people. For these things, Lord, for everything else that you know that we need, please grant it for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, see you next week.